going to go to Romans chapter 8 this morning in your Bible, uh, the book of Romans chapter number 8. I, I, I love the way that God puts things together. Uh, that's just a perfect song. Of course, we don't coordinate those types of things. I've said uh, to the music department ever since I got here, uh, whether it be congregational, song leaders, whatever, you just pray and ask God to give what he would give and he'll make everything fit together. And he's certainly doing that this morning. We had a wonderful week at camp. I just cannot wait for you to hear the testimonies tonight of what all went on. I mean, great things, things that just just great, great things. Anyway, hopefully you'll be in the service tonight to, uh, to experience that. I, it was just a wonderful, wonderful week. Thank you for everyone that prayed for us. <clears throat> Pastor, it cost a lot, an awful lot to rent those two shuttles. If we'd have had to pay twice that, it'd have been worth it. I'm telling you, absolutely so. I mean, just absolutely amazing. You that are members that are on our call list received a call this morning from me about Muriel Fuller's grandson. I've had a terrible accident and they could not find him. They actually did find him. The highway patrol said when they saw the, the truck uh, that was wrecked, they said there's no way that anybody could ever survive this type of a crash. Well, they found him three and a half miles away. He walked three and a half miles away to a friend's house barefoot. And uh, uh, his cell phone was dead. He uh, went to sleep in their barn. Nobody knew where he was. Anyway, they found him, and he's doing well. And so we're very, very thankful for that. Thank you for your prayers. I know that Miss Muriel's very, very thankful for the prayers that went up for him and the situation. And uh, I'm glad that uh, it came to a good conclusion like that. We're very, very thankful. So continue to pray for family healing and all those things. Romans chapter 8. Look down in verse number 35. Romans chapter 8, <clears throat> excuse me, and verse number 35. <clears throat> Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or, or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I just simply titled the message, Who Shall Separate Us From God's Love? Let's pray, and we'll get right on with it. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we're very thankful for every person that's here today, and we know that it's not by mistake, it's by design that they're sitting in this place today, and for those that are watching by live stream. And Father, we pray that you would take this outline that we have on paper, and that you'd make a message out of it. A message to us, Lord, about your great love and uh, the security that we have in Christ. We need your power, without a doubt, and we need a clarity of thought and speech. Lord, our flesh is weary, uh, and so we just need you to guide and direct and keep us on track. We, we, we want to do your perfect bidding. And if there's someone in here that does not know Christ as their personal Savior, oh dear God, please, please speak to their heart very clearly. We can't save them. Only you can do that. We cannot convict them. Only you can do that. So we pray that your will would be done. We know that you're not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And so, Lord, work in their heart and make them know that the most important decision they'll ever make is trusting Christ before they leave this world. Now, help us, God, with this message this morning. We pray and thank you for your goodness. In the wonderful name of Jesus Christ, amen and amen. Thank you so much for standing for the reading of the Word of God. And please do be seated. <clears throat> These last verses in Romans chapter 8 are the pinnacle of the Christian expectation that we have here on earth. When we can get our mind and body to thinking in the manner of which Paul is speaking to us here, then we're really close to where God wants us to be as believers. 
It's important not only that we read the Word of God, but that we believe the Word of God and that we apply it to our life, that we understand that this is a Word from God and that He is true, He is just, and He's always right. And we can take Him at His Word. And as we apply these things, it will help us to live the life that truly He wants us to live while they're here. In the first three chapters of Romans, we're faced with the awfulness of our sinful condition that we were born sinners and that we have a problem that way because if we never come to a place of trusting Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, we will die and we will spend eternity in hell, which is not a real popular subject today, but it's still the absolute truth. And it's still something that needs to be heralded across our pulpits today. And it's the reason that we go out and pass out the many tracts and invitations that we do in St. Joseph, Missouri. And it's the reason that we continue to support missionaries that are going around the world, that they might take the gospel to a lost and dying world. And also, it is the very truth that we are all born sinners. And if there never comes a time that we trust Christ as our Savior, we will die and spend eternity in a real place called hell. In the first three chapters, we're faced with that. We see the penalty that Jesus Christ paid for uh, our, our, our sin in chapter number five. And then Paul introduces us to the indwelling Holy Spirit uh, that is, abides in each believer. And now he takes us excuse me, if you will, to the mountaintop of our divine position that we have in Christ. If we are in Christ, if we've truly trusted Jesus Christ as our Savior, if we've truly been born again by the Spirit of God. And chapter number 8 begins with no condemnation. I love that. The Bible says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. I'm very thankful that there is now, since I have trusted Christ 37 years ago, there's no condemnation. I was condemned before I ever trusted Christ. People say, well, you can't judge me. I'm not going to judge anybody. We have a judge. And I'm telling you, once we come to that age of understanding our sinful condition, from that point forward, we are condemned already. But once we have trusted Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, there's therefore now no condemnation of them which are in Christ Jesus. And then the chapter ends with no separation, not being separated from God. And just before our text this morning, verse number 33, we see that there's really no accusation that can be brought against us that are saved by by, say by grace. Verse 33 says, Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. I don't know about you, but I'm very glad that I have an advocate with the Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, no, no, that He stands up there, and when the devil accuses me to God, and uh, by the way, He usually, usually uses the truth when He accuses us to God. And the Lord Jesus Christ stands there and he says, oh, oh, no, no, he, he's a child of yours. He, he was born. He's washed in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. I mean, there's now for no condemnation and no accusation because when you got saved, God forgave your past sins, your present sins, and he forgave all your future sins. That's a wonderful thing to remember. Hallelujah to God. Very, very wonderful thing. So no condemnation, no accusation. And no separation. It really doesn't get any better than that. It's a wonderful, wonderful truth. And so it asked here where we read, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? So, pardon me. I want to look at the categories. I want to look at the categories of what it has here. Because there are great attempts to separate us or think that we're separated from the love of God. We cannot actually be separated from the love of God. And that's the point we're going to try to make here if we can keep on rolling. But there, there's attempts to separate us. And there's attempts to separate us emotionally. Because it talks about tribulation or distress or persecution. Who, separate, who shall separate us from, from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution? All three of those have to do with our emotional part, the emotional part of our life. They attack our emotions. They'll get us to wring our hands. They'll get us to question God. They'll get us to question our circumstances. One commentator says the who there, who shall separate us, says the who there is the devil himself, is Satan. And that very well may be so. We have to remember that the devil's constantly on our trail to get us to turn away from God, to get us to even denounce him in our daily life. He's going to throw everything he can to accomplish his goal to get us to deny God and, and, and the goodness of God. And, and Paul lists some things that will be thrown at us. And he lists, first off, tribulation, distresses, and persecution. 
You know, the old devil, he will try to bring these problems into our life, into the life of every Christian, really. Uh, I mean, he, 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 he will throw tribulation at us and distresses and persecution along the way. Uh, and he does that so that we will allow our emotions to overtake us. And if we allow our emotions to overtake us, pretty soon we're looking for answers everywhere but from God. It'll get to a place where, where we are, we, we are, we are uh, uh, spiritually starved. I mean, it's an amazing thing how somebody's troubles will start in somebody's life and they'll call this person and that person and that person and they'll get on the internet and they'll Google it and pull up all these different things when truly the answer is right there in the Bible. And God can give us comfort and God can give us direction and God will be there for us in all these different times, in times of tribulation, in times of distress, even in times of persecution. He has the answer for us right here. And if we're not careful, we're looking everywhere but the right place and we become spiritually starved. It's an amazing thing how when things like that begin to happen in our life, if we will get in the Bible and just read the Bible, where are we supposed to read, preacher? Open up the book of Psalms, read it. Open up the book of Proverbs, read it. Go to the Gospel of John, read it. Come here to the book of Romans and read it. I'm telling you, there's promises all over the Bible. Go to the book of Genesis and read it. I mean, go anywhere in the Bible. I'm telling you, God can give us answers. He can give us comfort. He can give us strength. He can give us guidance if we we will just run to him. He's there for us. Don't let your emotions overtake you. Emotions are very real, but so many times they're not reality. They will lead us to think things and to do things that we shouldn't do. All of us have either experienced, either have or will experience tribulation, distress, persecution as a Christian, as a born again believer. It's not like that once we're saved, God takes all the trouble out of our life, but he does promise to be there for us and with us to go through these different things. <clears throat> when we're working to make Christ the center of our life, we may find these surrounding us at times. No, and I want you to get that statement. When we're really working hard to make Christ the center of our life, we're going to follow him. We're going to live for him. We're going to listen to him. We're going to abide in him. When we're working to do that, then we might find these things surrounding us. Well, preacher, I thought if we started following God, everything would be better. Oh, it is much better. Much, much better. Because we come to a place that we realize when these things do happen that he's there for us. That he can give us everything that we need. Oh, absolutely so. He never says anywhere that we're not going to have these things. In fact, he uh, warns us over and again that these things may happen, but, but he's there for us. You, you know, the, it, 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 it's, it's, and, and really, it's, it's usually not the same thing over and over and over again. The old devil will use this and he'll use that. He doesn't want us to figure out how he works. He doesn't want us to figure out what he's trying to do. But the Bible says that we're not to be ignorant of the devil's devices. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse number 11, we're not to be ignorant of his devices. And he's going to work the best he can to get us not to trust God. We can understand the attacks. We need to know what he is doing and why he tries to pull us away from God and why he tries to throw these things at us to get us to deny God and to not believe God. He may attack us even in the area of giving. Many times when you finally start giving the way that God would have you give in your tithes, in your offerings, the way the Bible teaches, Satan will attack you and he'll try to convince you that there's better use for that money. He'll use anything to get you off track. I, I'm telling you, well, I knew you'd try to, I knew, you know, you Baptists always bring up giving. I'm telling you, giving is a part of our worship of God. And God blesses it in a tremendous way. <clears throat> well, if I'm a member of this church, you come knock on my door and ask for my tithes and stuff. Heavens to Betsy. No. Now, I know the Seventh-day Adventists across the street, they do that. They do. No, no, you can't remain a member of the Seventh-day Adventist church unless you give. And I mean, you don't give, they'll come ask you for it. I thought about trying to write that into our doctrine, but it just doesn't work out. It's not the way that God intended for it to be. No, no, no. We're supposed to give. We're not supposed to give grudgingly. We're supposed to give the way that God would have us to give. And everybody, if they'll just give the way that God will have them to give, everything goes good, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely so. But the devil tries to, no, 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 don't, don't look at me cross-eyed like that. I'm telling you, we had, a, we had a young man years ago that belonged to the church, and he got upset because he didn't think that, that we were supposed to do that. And he left the church, and really it... 
It was the start of something really bad in his life. I'm telling you, we just need to listen to God. We need to listen to God. I, I, all I want people to do is listen to God. What are you trying to do? Trying to run our life? I don't want to run anybody's life. I just want them to listen to God, to do the things the way that God would have to do. But here's the thing. Once we start doing that, when we start doing that, we're going to face attacks. These things are going to happen. Tribulation to happen. Persecution to happen. Distress will happen. All these different things. Things that don't think, you don't think, well, how is this going to work? How is this going to work out? I'm telling you. Never forget, when those things come upon us, it gives us a chance to trust God for His help. Come on, we begin to trust God more. I'm just going to go ahead and do what God would have me do, whether it's in the area of giving or going or just living for Him, whatever the case. When those things happen, if we'll just continue to do things the way that He would have us to do things, it's amazing how He brings the help that we need. And He can strengthen us and He can guide us and He'll be there for us. I'm telling you, we have to be careful because the old devil will do anything to get us off track. Anything. So persecutions and tribulations and distresses, no matter how terrible they may be, they cannot separate us from the love of God through Christ Jesus. God loves us. And by the way, don't forget that Jesus Christ is acquainted with distress. He is acquainted with persecutions and tribulations. No, he's acquainted with that. When he walked on the face of the earth, he faced those things. And also remember that no saint that has been persecuted has been forsaken by God. No, no, no. God's not going to leave us nor forsake us. Never going to do that. Jesus said this, if they persecuted me, they will persecute you. That's what he said. I mean, we should expect it. That just helps us to lean on him more, to trust in him more. I'm telling you, we have to be careful of the we have to be careful of the emotional attacks that will come. But there's also physical attempts because he talks there, uh, tribulation, distress, persecution, famine. He says, or famine or nakedness. Famine and nakedness will have no effect on us if we're truly grounded in the love of God through Christ. Stay with me here. A person who truly loves and has placed their faith. In Christ for all things is not going to be shaken by any physical attempts that the devil may use to challenge us. Excuse me. We know that famine speaks of hard times. Hard times. And nakedness, it's, we just think different in our day, but nakedness would imply just going without something. Not having something that maybe we desire. Hard times and going without something, something, some of our wants at times, will not destroy us. Everybody goes through hard times. But there are times that we don't have everything that we would like to have, but it's not going to destroy us. It's not going to hurt us. Really, many times it makes us stronger in the faith. We're leaning on Him. We're trusting Him. Well, I don't know why this is, man, I'm telling you, this has gone bad, and this has gone bad, and this broke down, and now, and now the kids are sick, and I don't know, this just seems hard, it seems tough. Yeah, but don't quit trusting the Lord, and don't think that He's forsaken you. He's always there, and He loves us, and He's going to continue to love us, and whatever hardships might come, whatever famine might come, whatever nakedness might come, He's always there. He's always, always there. Look, we're not, we're not promised that we'll always have times of, uh, we're not promised that we will, we'll, come on brain, we'll, we're not promised that we will not have times of famine and nakedness. We're not promised that. But we are promised that they will not separate us from God's love. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I, <laughs> I like to eat steak. Anybody else here like to eat steak? Mercy. Lunchtime's coming. Lunchtime's coming. <laughs> I like to eat steak. I like to eat steak. But through our Christian life and times of ministry and everything, there's been times we've eaten bologna. That's what we were provided. And it was good. It sustained us. It did. It's really hard when you're chewing up a piece of bologna to imagine, you know, a good filet and everything. 
but it does sustain life. And hard times when it seems like everything's broken down and nothing's working right and everything's falling apart. And the more that you trust God, no, no, I'm, I'm talking about learning from experience. The more you trust God that he just brings everything together. Some people's hard times come and they just start kicking rocks and get mad. And why is this happening to me? And I'm trying to do so good. And I'm giving like I'm supposed to give. And I'm going to church. I'm doing all these things. Why are these things happening to me? Well, I don't understand completely why things like that happen to us. But I know this. It doesn't separate us from the love of God. He still loves us just as much. And he is trying to help us. He's trying to strengthen us. He's trying to, he is, he is, and he will be there for us and see us through these things. I'm telling you. No matter how bad we might have it, it can always get worse. We thank God for how good we have it, even in the bad times. Sure. Yeah. We have to be careful thinking that the Lord just provides liberally for all the saints all the time. Because not always. There are lean times. There are times when things break down. There are times when things like just aren't going that way. Times of famine, times of nakedness. There, there are good, loyal Christian people who go through those times. But God's always there for us. No matter what we might face. Acts chapter 11 verse 20, 28 it says, And there stood up one of them named Agabus, and signified by the Spirit that there should be great dearth throughout all the world, which came to pass in the days of Claudius Caesar. Then the disciples, every man according to his ability, term, determined to send relief unto the brethren which dwelt in Judea. So even though a believer may be hungry, we're never unloved. And God will bring relief in his time. In his time. And what I have learned and am continuing to learn is that the more I trust him, the more he shows himself mighty. The more I trust him, the more he is there for me. The more that I just put faith in him, the more he supplies. Uh, the, more that I, the more that I just rest in him, the more that he, the more that he does. I mean, he, he, he did that to the brethren in Judea, so he will do that for us too. First, first Corinthians chapter 4 verse 10 says this, We are fools for Christ's sake. But ye are wise in Christ. We are weak, but ye are strong. Ye are honorable, but we are despised. Even unto this present hour, we both hunger and thirst, and are naked, and are buffeted, and have no certain dwelling place. And labor, working with our own hands, being reviled, we bless. Being persecuted, we suffer it. Being defamed, we entreat. We are made as the filth of this world, and are the offscouring of all things unto this day. That's written by a believer. I mean, how would you like to experience that every day? And believe me, there are people, no, 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 Christian people around this globe that experience that every day. But they're still trusting the Lord. They're still going forward. People are being arrested around our world for being Christians. People are being thrown in prison just for simply holding church services. People are being killed. No, no, honestly, today in our world, each day, Christian people are being killed because of their belief in the Lord Jesus Christ. It, it's still happening every day. But they're not turning away. They're going forward. I mean, they're doing what they can do. Mercy sakes alive, we have it so much better than the biggest percentage of people in this world. We're blessed. For us to take, all, to take our eyes off of God because we have an unexpected blowout on our car or something goes wrong in the house or whatever the case may be, I'm telling you, nothing's going to separate us from the love of God. He still loves us. He still loves us. Well, why those people, why is that happening then? Oh no, simple answer. It's happening because of sin. It's happening because most of the people in this world do not know the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. It's happening because of the sinful heart of man. It's happening because we live in a very uh, polluted world. It's not happening because of God. No, that's not God's will. It's not God's will for those things to happen. But I guarantee you, when the people of God go through things like that, if they will trust Him and lean on Him, He will see them through that. Even unto death. Come on. No, 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 no. I'm telling you, there were, the, there were times that, that people were, you know, uh, tied to the stake and lit on fire. 
Come on, there were times they were sawn asunder. There were times that they, I'm telling you, it's happened all through history. Those that loved the Lord Jesus Christ and followed the Lord Jesus Christ. And they stayed faithful to the end, knowing that nothing could separate them from the love of God. Well, I'm telling you, I don't know if I could go through that. I'm telling you, if that time comes, God will give enough grace that you can go through that. If he gave grace to those believers, he could give grace to us if we have to face something like that. Because nothing is going to separate us from the love of God. We can trust him. See, Peter wrote, Peter wrote, all, all that, all, but after that, Peter wrote in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 13. Listen to this. He said, but rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings. Rejoice in sufferings, that doesn't go well together. Well, pretty much it seems to in God's realm. No, no, the apostle Peter, but rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed... You may be glad also with exceeding joy. He wrote in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 4, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in this world through lust. You know, the whole theme of Romans chapter 8 is that we are partakers with Christ that, that the world has rejected, but we are to be conformed into the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. The subject here is that none of these things can separate us from the love of Christ. None of these things. The emotional attempts can cannot separate us the physical attempts cannot separate us and then the attempts of the the uh, the attempts of the enemy because it, it talks about peril or sword you know many in the new testament were faced with enemy attempts i mean the peril and sword acts chapter 12 verse 2 and he killed james the brother of john with the sword Hebrews chapter 11, verse 37, talking of believers. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented. This is the attitude of the world against true believers. The kingdom of Satan hates the children of God. It's just a fact. It's against us. But nowhere do we find where the love of God was not with them when they went through all of this. When Stephen was stoned to death, the Lord Jesus Christ was standing on the very edge of heaven to welcome him home. We presently may not have it. We presently may not have it that bad. However, the world still hates us and they would like us out of the way. They would do away with us if they could. Just before the apostle John died, he had seen the glory of heaven written in the book of the Revelation and he was eager to go to his heavenly home. The apostle Paul said, I'm ready to be offered, meaning he was ready for death. Who shall separate us? Nobody's going to separate us from the love of Christ. But we can't skip over verses. And verse number 36 says, says this, As it is written, For thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Really and truly, when I got saved 37 years ago, I never believed that we would come to the place that we are about Christianity in the United States of America. I really never believed we'd get to this point where we are looked down upon. Where people don't want us to, don't want us butting into their business. Uh, that they're going to do what they want to do. And it says here that continually being killed, killed perpetually. And, and I talked about those being killed around the world today. And, and, and really what it's saying here, and the Word of God is true, is, is it's never finished, never any relief. I mean, continually always expecting the, the death blow all the day long. That means there's never any relief from being killed. I, I know we don't like to think about that. And I'm very thankful, thankful that we live in the United States of America where we have these freedoms, where we are protected, where we can meet like this and not be fearful of someone coming in and taking us out to the firing squad. Whatever the case, I'm very thankful for that. But again, we cannot forget about, uh, about our brothers and sisters around the globe that face this every single day. For many years, we've seen the hatred of those against Jesus Christ seeking to destroy the believers from the face of the earth. I, I mean, we can go, we could go way back. We, there's so many things that could be said here. Believe me, if they could, they would do that to us this very day. More than 50 million believers have been slaughtered over the centuries, and many more are being killed in communist countries today. There were a lot of martyrs in the early churches. Oh, if you've never read, if, if, you, if you've never read Book of Martyrs, I, I'm telling you, you need, to, you need to get that book and you need to read that. And 
what the people, what, what believers suffered along the way and how they died and trusted in the Lord and, and, and how they died. I mean, just, I mean, it, it, ask many times, if you'll just recant, we won't do this. No, 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 I'm putting my faith and trust in Christ. And they went to the stocks and they went to the stake and they went to the guillotine and they went to these places just trusting the Lord to take care of them. A writer, after having visited the Chicago stockyards on Slaughter Day, wrote this. Listen to this. He says, uh, Our guide took us to where the swine were being slaughtered. Here there was squealing and grunting everywhere. And the moment the men laid hold of one, of the, uh, one for slaughter, it gave a wild shriek. And the uproar was just terrible. By and by, we approached another building and heard no sounds. And we found that here the sheep were being slaughtered without complaining in silence. Do you suppose that's a pattern for us sheep today? I really do believe we're going to see some very severe penalties for preaching the whole counsel of God in the future. Being politically correct, uh, politically incorrect, may one day bring it bring with it the threat of death. We need to learn now to stand strong in the power of His might and continue to stand for right. Well, you Bible-believing Christians, you're just a bunch of hate mongers. You just hate, you just hate. That's not true. That is not true at all. Not even. It's not true. It's not true. No, 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 no. We love people enough to tell them the truth. We love people enough that we go out and try to get them and find them and give them the gospel or bring them into the house of God that we might tell them the truth. We need to continue to stand for right. It says that sheep for the slaughter. We ought to be remind ourselves, or we ought to remind ourselves on a regular basis that we're sheep for the slaughter. We're sheep for the slaughter. Preacher, I'd rather think of myself as a child of the king. I do all the time, and I'm very thankful for that. Well, I want to think of myself as of having victory in Jesus. Me too. And I think about that very often. But I'm telling you, if you speak up for the Lord on a regular basis, if you invite people to church on a regular basis, if you're trying to, to get the gospel to somebody on a regular basis, you're going to run into those that don't care anything about you. In fact, they'll voice it some very powerfully. Every day that we live peacefully will be a day that we can take as a gift from God. Verse 37, I, I love. Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. More than conquerors. But we have to realize this. Stay with me here. Verse 37 doesn't change the reality of verse 36. We are sheep for the slaughter, but we are more than conquerors. In, in all these things, what things? Tribulations, distresses, persecutions, famines, nakedness, peril, sword. No, no, we're more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. The emotional attacks, the physical attacks, the enemy attacks were more than conquerors. The word conqueror means to defeat or subdue by force, especially by force of arms, to gain or secure control of by, uh, or as if by force of arms, to overcome or surmount by physical, mental, or moral force. So we're more than conquerors through Christ because, no, no, listen to this. We're more than conquerors through Christ because he is the one that fights our battles. He is the one. <clears throat> I don't know about you, I can't speak for you, but I'm one, I like to put my hands on things. What do you mean, preacher? I like to handle things. What do you mean? Uh, you know, situations, whatever. I like to handle things. 
But I'm learning the more that I just trust the Lord, He can handle things a lot better than I can. The more that I ask for His direction and just follow His lead, it sure keeps me out of a lot of trouble. I mean, He's always there for me. He's never let me down. He's never failed me, not one single time. And the more that I trust Him, and the more I depend upon Him, and the more I take my hands off of things, the more He does. And all these things, we are more than conquerors. Look, the devil has no real power over us once we trust Jesus Christ as our Savior. Oh, He can attack us, absolutely so. We all suffer that at times, but, but we have everything we need to overcome those attacks. In James chapter 4 and verse number 7, the Bible says, Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Oh, preacher, we just need to resist the devil. Oh, no, 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 no. Not until you submit yourself to God. That's the key. We submit ourselves to God. What does that mean? That we give ourselves to God. We're trusting God. We're listening to God. We're handling things the way that God would have us to handle things instead of the way that we want to handle things. We're more than conquerors through him that loved us because he loved us. And because he brought us victory at the cross, we can be conquerors over everything in our daily life. We can be conquerors. We can have victory. It's a wonderful thing. I, I, I love it. The apostle Paul says, for me to die is gain. He also said, rejoice evermore. He also said, nothing can separate us from the love of God. And he also said, I'm persuaded that he's able to keep me. Promises like that, promises like that we ought to hold on to. Promises like that, I'm telling you, when those times come, whatever comes in our life, we can hold on to these things. How in the world can a person with that attitude ever be conquered? Well, I'm telling you, he can't. He can't be conquered. Because as we live, it says, as we live, we have victory. And if we die, we have victory. And if we're persecuted, we're victorious. I mean, I mean who will, who, he who will not be defeated cannot be defeated. Oh, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. I, whatever you do, put it, in, put it at the top of every page of your Bible. I'm more than a conqueror. Put it above your washing machine. I'm more than a conqueror. Put it above your sink. I'm more than a conqueror. I'm telling you, as we trust God, no, no, no. no. Well, preacher, I feel weak. But, but, but no, but we're supposed to live in His strength. We're supposed to trust in Him. And as we handle things the way that He would have us to handle things, we are more than conquerors. But we have to get that mindset. We have to realize that He is there for us. I'm telling you, we can't let anything pull us away from this wonderful, wonderful, wonderful promise. He is there for us because of Him who loved us. Verse number 32 in our, our chapter here has, has the, the answer to this. He that spared not His own Son, but delivered Him up for us all, how shall He not with Him also freely give us all things? Give us all things. What kind of things, preacher? I mean, you know, like a new car or new house, whatever kind. Oh, no, no, no. Those things that we need to live for God. Preacher, I have such a hard time. Me too. Preacher, I really struggle at times. Me too. Preacher, I feel defeated sometimes. Oh, you do? Man, alive. Oh, yeah, me too. Well, what are we supposed to do? Run to God. We're more than conquerors. And just because you feel defeated doesn't mean you are defeated. We're not defeated till we quit trying. We're not defeated till we just lay down and roll over. We're not, no, 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 no. We are more than conquerors. And what we do is we run to God and we trust Him to, we trust Him, we trust Him to give us what we need to make it through whatever we might be facing. And then he ends with these two verses. I love it. We're persuaded. We're persuaded. We're persuaded. No, it's okay. We're doing good. And I'm still thinking about that steak. So we're doing good. We're doing good, okay? We are persuaded. What does that mean? What well, means we're convinced? No, I want you to get this. Come on, stay with me. Don't quit before I do. We're convinced. We're totally sure. We're totally sure. Well, why, why are we totally sure? Because the Bible says so. Well, I don't know if I can trust. Let me just stop it right there. Oh, no. We can trust this. We can trust it. And God can do mighty things. We're totally convinced. We're, we're totally sure. No doubt in our mind whatsoever. 
You really should be with me on this matter of persuaded. I, I mean, truly, it's, it's a wonderful thing. And the Bible goes on to say here, For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Neither death nor life. No, that's the way God wrote it down. Neither death nor life. You and I might reverse that statement and say neither life nor death. But, but, but because of Christ's death in our place, the fear of death is gone from the believer. Right. Oh, somebody should have said amen right there. <laughs> I'm not worried about dying. When this old body dies, I'm going to be more alive than I've ever been. Amen. Absolutely so. No, no, no. We don't, we don't have to worry about that. I mean, Christ died in our place. Death cannot separate us from his love. I don't know about you. I, 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 oh, boy, oh, boy. Life is more difficult than death. Life's burdens, bitterness, life's disappointments, life's uncertainties, life's physical miseries, they're real. But just as death cannot separate us from God's love, neither can the circumstances of life. <clears throat> Suicide's on the rise. That's never the answer. Life's just so hard. It, it is, but God's for us. And if God's for us, who can be against us? No, he has the answer. No, no, suicide is never the answer. Young people, please listen. Suicide is never the answer. Never, 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 never the answer. Jesus is the answer. And he can see us through. And he can help us with things. Life is hard. Absolutely so. But the more that we trust God, the more he will help us to get through those times, those things that we face, all these different things that we face. I'm telling you, God has each one of us as believers wrapped up in his love. And, and he has us tucked away so securely that, that the devil can't snatch even one away from him. He can't get us. No, 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 no. We're in Jesus' hand. Jesus is in God's hand. That's sealed by the Holy Ghost of God. He can't get us. He'd love to kill us. If the devil could kill us, we'd all be dead. We wouldn't be sitting here this morning. I'm telling you, he'd love to kill us. But he can't kill us. But he can sure try to talk you into killing yourself. And he's the only one that would do that. Somebody say amen right there. Y'all help me out here. I'm telling you, he's the only one that would ever do that. God's not going to do that. No, 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 no. He says, nor angels can, get, can separate us. And there's two kinds of angels. There's God's angels, of course, that, that we see in many places in the Bible that do God's work for him. God directs them and what they do and then there's the devil's angels it's those that chose to follow satan as those those demons those devils but the scripture says nor angels angels cannot separate us the workers of the devil cannot separate us it's not going to happen it's not going to happen even though they may try nor principalities that has to do with supreme authority or even supernatural power and by the way there's some of that out there no, don't go looking for it, but it's out there, absolutely so. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 20, the Bible says this, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places, listen to this, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come, and hath put all things, I love it, under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is the body, the fullness of him that, that, that filleth all in all. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, for we wrestle not against flesh 
and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of, of darkness, uh, of the darkness uh, of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. I'm telling you, it's out there and it's against us that are trying to follow Jesus Christ. And we just need to hold on to God. Remembering that we are told in the word of God that neither angels nor principalities can separate us from God's love, nor powers, it says there. And this is talking about the workings of the devil and his host of spirits and demons that are out there. We are assured that those will not separate us. Bear in mind that none of these are barred from access to us. We will suffer attacks at times. Those things can be very real. But they cannot separate us from God's love. They may endanger us, but they cannot take us away from or out of God's love. It's not going to happen. And he goes on to say, nor things present, nor things to come. Nor things present. The events of this day, whatever they may be, will not separate us from the love of Christ. Well, preacher, the world's getting terrible. It is. But Jesus told us that it would. He said it's going to wax worse and worse as days go on. And that's exactly what's happening. And that means it's just getting closer to the time that we're all going to get out of here. Sure. And then the unknown unknown events of even tomorrow. I'm telling you, we, we don't have to worry about those. Well, preacher, what's going to happen? What's going to happen tomorrow? And what's going to happen next week? What's going to happen next month? I don't know, but I know the one that knows. And I'm just trusting him. I'm telling you, he's going to take care of us. Really, the Apostle Paul's given us a masterpiece of information in the scripture here. He has given us eternal assurance, eternal assurance that not one of God's saints will ever be taken out of God's kingdom nor his love. It's not going to happen. He says, nor height, nor depth. This entire section of scripture is authenticated by the phrase used, love of God, or he who loved us. There is no one, nothing, nada, that is more powerful than God. Nothing. Nothing. Christ ascended into the heavens. No, he said, nor height, nor depth. Christ ascended into the heavens and has already been to the most height possible. He also descended into the lower parts of the earth. We know that. Thus, he's been to the lowest depths. He's there. Ephesians 4, 9, now that he, now that he ascended, what is it but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth. Matthew 16, 18. And I say also unto thee, thou art Peter. And upon this rock, talking about himself, Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Revelation chapter 1, verse number 18. He said, Jesus said, I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I'm alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and of death. He's all powerful. There's no place he hasn't been, no place he can't go. We don't have to worry about height or depth. Then he says this, nor any other creature. Really, this final statement is just a capstone of everything the Apostle Paul has told us in this passage of Scripture. It means that there is nothing animate or inanimate that can have any success in separating the born-again believer from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. We don't have to worry about that. Not at all. And again, don't take it that I'm saying uh, what I am saying to mean that we will not have hardships, tribulations, or persecutions. Those times will come. And they may come often. And they may come severe at times. But we do have the assurance that we will stand secure in whatever might be sent our way. Holding on to him. Back up to verse number 31 there. Come on, we're, we're going to finish up here. Back up to verse 31. What shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Now think about that. Is God on our side? Sure he is. No, no. Every born again believer, God's on our side. He's not against us. Wonderful thing. Verse number 32. 
He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Now let me ask you another question. Who can overrule God? There's nobody that can overrule God. It's not going to happen. No, 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 no. Then verse number 34. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. This love is settled in Christ Jesus our Lord. It's settled in him. It's settled in him. Nothing can change him. He's unchangeable. He's immutable. Nothing's going to change. No, 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 no. It's settled in Christ Jesus our Lord. Why, why God would choose to love us, I don't know. I'll say it again. Why God would choose to love us? I don't know. I really don't know. Why he chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world? And connecting our destiny, uh, our destiny eternally with Christ, his beloved son? I, I, don't, I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't know. These are mysteries of God, but they're truths of God. It's wonderful, wonderful things. And so as we read and we take and, and we believe the Word of God, may there be no doubting or fears that would come upon a child of God knowing that there's no separation. There's no condemnation. Hallelujah. There's no accusation because we have somebody taken up for us. And there is no separation. We cannot be separated from the love of God. Come on. Either the Bible's true or it's not. We can rest in that. Preacher, sometimes I just feel like I'm all alone. You're never alone. No, no, you're never alone. You're a child of God. You're never alone. You're never alone. You always have somebody. Look up here. You always have somebody you can go to and talk to about anything that's happening in your life. Well, sometimes I just feel like I need somebody else. I'm available. Oh, no, I mean that as sincerely as I can say it. I'm available. As a pastor, I'm available. I'll talk to you. It's 3 o'clock in the morning. Call me. I'm available. Brother Andrew's available. We'll help you. Be glad to. Preacher, you're always so busy. Never too busy for you. That's why I'm here. Can't call a preacher. Preacher's just busy all the time. Heavens to Betsy, if everybody just starts leaving me alone, I don't know what I'm going to do. <laughs> You're never alone because the Lord's always with you. But if you need more help, if you need some encouragement, you need whatever, you call me. I guarantee you, I'm there for you. I'll help you every bit I can. Call me, text me. But remember, you're never alone. You're never alone. The Lord has forsaken me. I tell you, I just can't take it anymore. I can't take this life anymore. Oh, no, 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 no. Don't, get, don't let those stupid thoughts get in your head. Did I say stupid? I meant it. Those are stupid thoughts. Don't let those stupid thoughts get in your head. You're never alone. The Lord loves you. He cares about whatever you might be facing. And I guarantee you, whatever you might face cannot separate you from the love of God. I'm telling you, that's a wonderful promise. And it has brought me through a lot of times in my 37 years of being saved and continues to do so. There was a time I walked away from God, but he never left me. Amen. Well, I'll say it again. There was a time that I walked away from God, but he never left me. He was right there with me. While I tried to walk away, he was right there with me. I turned my back on God, but he didn't turn his back on me. He was right there with me. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. No. And really, this should make every believer just shout hallelujah. <laughs> just wonderful. All of us are secure in Christ Jesus, our Lord, if we've trusted Jesus Christ as our Savior, if we've been born again by the Spirit of God. But we need to make sure we're born again by the Spirit of God. We need to make sure that we are saved by the grace of God. That's not just making some, that's not just making some intellectual decision in your life. That's coming to a place of realizing that you're a sinner in need of a Savior. That the conviction of the Holy Spirit is so powerful that it cannot be denied. 
that you're going to do whatever it takes to get to Jesus and be saved by His grace. I'm telling you, we've seen a little bit of that at camp this past week, and we're going to, I can't wait to share it with you later on. Just amazing. Truly amazing. Don't let anyone ever tell you that you can lose your salvation. You didn't do anything to get it, so you can't do anything to lose it. Salvation was a free gift. For by grace are you saved through faith. That not of yourself, it is a gift of God, lest any man should boast. Don't let anybody tell you you can lose your salvation. You cannot lose your salvation once you have it. Once you have it. If you're saved, God saved you, and it's God that keeps you saved. I'm glad I don't have to depend on me to keep me saved. I'd have lost it a long time ago. No, it's Him that keeps us saved. And if you're not saved, boy, boy, we'd love a chance to show you how you can have that settled today. We'd love to take you aside somewhere and take a Bible and show you how you can uh, know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. There's no greater decision that you'll make while you're still breathing air. Because once you leave this earth, you don't, won't ever have a chance again. Who shall separate us from the love of God? Nothing or nobody. It's not going to happen. We have that promise from God. He's always there for us. Always there for us. Would you bow your heads with me? For a moment, please. Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed for just a moment. There could be someone in here to say, Preacher, I'm not sure that I've ever trusted Christ as my Savior, that I've been saved, that my sins are forgiven. I'm just not sure about that. Would you... Remember me in prayer. I'd like to pray for you. Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed. No one looking around in respect to the Lord. Preacher, I'm just not sure that I'm saved. Please pray for me. You here like that today? Would you just slip up your hand and let me pray for you? Just just slip your hand up. I'll see it. We'll we'll move on. Yeah, preacher, that's me. I'm just not sure that I've ever truly been saved. I, I I don't seem to have that assurance in my own heart. Would you please just pray with me about that? Anyone at all, just... Slip your hand up, right back down. We'll move on. Yeah. Yeah. You're here today, and uh, you just be honest. Our heads are still bowed. Eyes are still closed. You just be honest. Preacher, I'm struggling. I am struggling. I don't need to know the area, whatever, but... You'd say, preacher, I am struggling. I'm struggling. And I need God's help. I need prayer. Would you please pray for me? Would you slip your hand up where you're at and let me pray for you? Just hold them up for just a minute if you would. Hold them up while I look. Just hold up. I want to pray for you. I really do. Back there. God bless you. Hold them up. Just a minute. Just a minute. Across the auditorium. Thank you very much. You You may put your hands down. Heavenly Father, I'm so thankful we have the Bible. I'm so thankful we have this promise in Scripture. I'm so thankful for the day that you saved me back in April 1984. And I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm sure some of the people here at Riverside Baptist Church getting, get tired of me saying it all the time. But I remember that day that I got down and called upon you and you saved my soul. I remember that day like it's yesterday. And I'm thankful since that time I've failed you, but you've never failed me. And I've tried to go off my own way, but you were always there for me when I turned around. You've never left me nor forsaken me. I've never been separated from the love of God since that point. And I'm thankful. And I pray for those in here that do not know Christ as their personal Savior. I pray that you'd convince them of their need. That you would convict them. And that you would bring them to the place of calling upon you and trusting Christ before it's eternally too late. And then the many hands that you saw across the auditorium, Lord, they've asked me to pray. I lift them up to you. I ask you to help them. I ask you to help them to reach out to you and to look into your word, to look to you for answers and strength and guidance and whatever their need may be. And Father, certainly, even as I told this congregation, I'm I'm here 
You've placed me here. I'm thankful. As a pastor, I'm here, Lord. If you choose to direct them my way, I'll help them every bit that I can to know what you have for them because you are the ultimate help. I just pray, Lord, that we would be uh, determined to stay close to you no matter what might come about in our life, knowing that you're always there for us, that nothing can separate us from your love. Help this morning during invitation time. Help folks to come and just talk to you about their need. Help those that are lost to come forward that we might take a Bible and show them how they can be saved. Lord, bless this time of invitation, please. We ask you to do so and trust you with all these things for we ask it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's stand to our feet for a moment. Our heads bowed. Our eyes are closed. Folks have already come to the altar. You need to come. What? Just step out right now. No, 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 no. no. Come on. Come on. I know we're used to being, we're used to being a preacher. It's lunch. You're still thinking about that steak. Right now I'm thinking about the need that you have in your life and how God can meet that need if you'll just trust Him. Just trust Him. Just come and bow a knee. Come and ask Him to do what only He can do. Come and ask Him for the wherewithal to trust Him, to hold on to Him, to keep on going no matter how bad it might look in your life right now. Come and talk to Him. He's the one that can give you everything you need. He's the one that can help you through these times. He's the one that's going to see you through. He's there for you. And if you don't know Christ as your Savior, if you'd come this morning, we'd be happy to take you someplace aside, take you to a private place and show you how you can have that settled. We'd love to do that. We'd love to do that.